Hey guys, this is Pastor Mark Warren from Church at the Crossroads. Thank you for checking out our podcast. My prayer is that you're encouraged and challenged as you hear, understand, and obey God's Word today. Today we're, we're going to answer this question of how you continue your spiritual journey. And in this case, we're going to look at Abraham and his weakness. And how do you continue your journey after moral failure? Now, I don't know if you can remember when you became a Christian. You know, last week we talked about how to begin a spiritual journey. This week we're looking at continuing a spiritual journey. I don't know what your expectations were when you became a Christian. But I know that uh, when I became a Christian, I remember I had an older pastor and he was very straightforward, very direct. And I remember he said, time and the devil will tell if you really meant what you said. And that was kind of his perspective is when you gave your life to Christ and some people came to publicly declare their faith in Christ and they were very emotional, very excited. And some people were more like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. But he didn't over-respond or under-respond because people react differently. We're all put together different in their different circumstances. But I don't know what your expectations were when you became a Christian. But I remember when I became a Christian, I thought as long as I wanted to do the right thing, you know, I wasn't going to sin. I just thought I was going to serve God and share my faith and read my Bible You know, although we sin all the time and we're not really aware of it, I remember the first time I did something that I knew was wrong, and I just had to confront that. You know, the Holy Spirit convicted me. I felt that yucky feeling of letting God down and just doing the wrong thing. And I remember just being, you know, brought to tears, thinking, you know, like, oh, I failed the Lord, and and what am I going to do? You know, am I how am I going to? And as I've grown spiritually, I realized that. If we're honest, the Bible has given us examples of men and women who make mistakes for a reason. You know, Moses started off making a mistake. You know, he killed the guy. I don't know if he intended to do that, but he wanted to take matters into his own hands. And the brothers of Joseph were jealous of him, and they acted on that jealousy. And Abraham had a problem with telling the truth. And he had a problem with fear, you know, and Isaac ended up doing the same thing that Abraham did. And Jacob deceived his brother. And then we get to David and David starts off great. He loves the Lord. He's killing Goliath. He just worships the Lord and he's a man after God's own heart. And good grief, David blows our mind because he committed adultery and murder and kept on going as if nothing happened until he was confronted. And so then we get to the New Testament, and our good friend Peter lets the Lord down. And we see that, that people come to Christ, they have the best of intentions, but as human beings, as men and women, you know, God built into our Christian journey, into our Christian experience. He built into that experience, that journey, a process to continue after you mess up. And today I want to challenge you to understand the process and to know what you need to do that when you make a mistake, that when you do something and the Holy Spirit convicts you and you feel guilty and ashamed, 
that you know how to bounce back. And that your spiritual growth and your spiritual journey and how you get from the beginning to the end, because we'll finish this series with how to finish the spiritual journey. And we'll look at the legacy of Abraham. So how do we get from the beginning to the end? We have to continue. And in order to continue, we have to be able to deal with setbacks, moral setbacks, when we do the wrong thing. If we quit the minute we fail. I was talking to uh, one of the young people here, and he was talking about a friend of his. You know, He said he's just the type of person that once he can't be perfect at something, once he messes up, he just he's done with it. Well, we can't be that way in the Lord. We're going to have things to overcome. And the beauty of the Christian life is it's a journey. It's not a one-time event. It is a journey. And the person that we will be tomorrow, we are in the process of becoming today. So if you set your eyes on Jesus and look ahead to the man or woman that you want to become spiritually and work towards that and know that along the way there are going to be times when you get off, you, you get off kilter, you get out of focus. And as a community... Because it's not just us. We are a community. And you and I need a community. You need a community of people who love the Lord. So that if you falter, so that if you get off track, you're around people that encourage you to keep on going. And don't just give up on you. You know, that's why we don't want to be that way as a church. People are going to make mistakes. And we have to let the strong bear the burdens of the weak. When you're strong spiritually and when you're doing well, it's not so that you can be proud or think you're better than other people. It's so that you can use your, your strength and your encouragement to help others in the same journey. Because our goal is to see everybody cross the finish line strong. To see every person reach their potential in Christ and to accomplish all the things that they want to. We're not just coming here so that we don't go to hell. We're coming here to be part of a Christian community that lives the Christian life, that has an abundant life, that raises our families in the kingdom of God so that our families are transformed and hopefully our culture is transformed. And we're looking all the things that the people of this world want. People being brought out of poverty. People experiencing education. People living in freedom. People loving one another and getting along. All of those things we share, those things. People basically want the same thing. The difference is how are we going to achieve those things? Are we going to do it this way or are we going to trust Christ to do those things? And through Christ and through a relationship with Christ, we're able to see the society transform. You know, basically, I would just like to be able to drive around town, not have somebody steal my gas can out of my trailer. Wouldn't that be beautiful and wonderful? Well, how do we get there? Through a relationship with Christ. If each man and woman in this community had a relationship with Christ, that was more important than stealing a cheap old gas can out of somebody's trailer, it would be a better place. And I think everybody can agree on those things. So as Christians, we are, we're not some odd, weird, conspiracy theory thinking person. 
We are men and women who simply want to live in a society of goodwill, of love, joy, and peace. And it is through Christ that we do that. And we do it by continuing on a spiritual journey, even when we experience hardships, even when we experience trials, tribulations, and in this case, temptation. As we get into the story, we see that Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his nephew, and all their possessions which they had accumulated were in Genesis chapter 12, and the persons which they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. Thus they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem to the oat of Moriah, Now, the Canaanites were in the land, and the Canaanites were people who didn't worship the one through God. They were idolatrous. They were God-haters. They were polytheistic. And they they were not going to influence Abraham to be godly. So just like we live in a world with people who love God and people who do not love God, Abraham lived in the same type of world. By faith, Abraham continued on the journey to where God had called him. God had called him to Canaan. He had called him to leave where he was and head towards the promised land. And you and I have left the past. If any man or woman be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And God wants us to grow and to become into a spiritual man or woman of God. We're on a spiritual journey, just like Abraham was on a physical journey, which also was a spiritual journey. And then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants, I will give you this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now, Abraham lived before the Bible. God was speaking to him directly. You and I have an advantage. We have the full word of God to study. We have the community of the local church to encourage us. And we have the same Holy Spirit that influenced Abraham, but actually lives inside of you and I as Christians. We have the Holy Spirit living in us to interpret God's word and to bring out from God's word the spiritual principles that will guide our life. So we can respond the same way Abraham did when God appears to us through the conviction and the comfort and the challenge of the Holy Spirit, or he speaks to us through the word of God, or we hear a spoken word in the local church, we can respond in worship. Building an altar to the Lord in the Old Testament is the same thing as worshiping God in the New Testament. It's a sacrifice to God. You're worshiping God and you're building an altar to show that you are devoted to the one true God. And Abraham does that throughout his life. And our story begins with Abraham in worship, worshiping God. So God spoke to Abraham again as he continued on the journey. And God's not just going to speak to you one time. God's going to speak to you as you read his word, as you come to church and hear God's word preached, as you listen to the Holy Spirit, as you listen to Christian music and worship God, the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you and encourage you in your faith. Then he proceeded from there to the mountain to the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east 
And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. So as Abraham continued on this journey, he continued to worship God. He worshiped God as he continued his journey. And things are going great. You know, we wish the story could just continue like this. And your life might feel like this. When you begin the Christian life, you might be just going from one spiritual experience to another where God's just speaking to you and you're growing, you know, you're being blessed. And then something happens. And this is physical. This is not spiritual. This is nothing Abraham did wrong. It says there was a famine in the land. This was a physical circumstance that came about. And so Abraham went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. And as you and I live our lives, there are going to be physical circumstances that affect us. And what we're going to see is this physical circumstance actually led to a spiritual circumstance. And that's what we want to avoid. That's what we pray. So when you tired physically, and when you're run down and your health is challenged, when you're going through a financial crisis, when you're going through a relationship crisis, don't think that the enemy doesn't think this would be a great opportunity for me to cause conflict between husband and wife, for me to cause conflict between brother and sister, brother and brother. God uses circumstances to build our character and the enemy wants to use our circumstances to break down our character. They're both in a situation where they see it, they understand what's going on, and God is trying to build us up and help us, and the enemy is trying to discourage us and tear us down. So Abraham experienced a famine while on his spiritual journey. Have you experienced hardships as a Christian? As someone trying to live the Christian life and to obey Christ and to follow and obey Christ, have there been circumstances in your life that affected you? I know it has been in mine. And it came about when he came near to Egypt that he said to Sarah, his wife, See now, I know that you're a beautiful woman. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. So Abraham experienced fear and unbelief while on his spiritual journey. And fear and, and challenges to our faith are normal. At this point, Abraham's still fine. We're going to experience fear. Things are going to happen that cause panic and fear in your life. Things are going to happen that challenge your faith. And Abraham was feeling those emotions just like you and I will, and this is common to a spiritual journey. This is not unique. This is not unique to Abraham. Other people in the Bible experience the same types of feelings and thoughts within their head, and we experience it. All these years later, on our spiritual journey, things happen that prompt us to be afraid. Many people today are living in fear. Many people today, their faith is challenged. Abraham continues. He says, please say that you're my sister, talking to his wife, so that it may go well with me because of you, and that I may live on account of you. So Abraham not just felt the fear, not just felt the unbelief, but he gave in to his fear. 
And he sinned against God on his spiritual journey. When you and I sin, when we depart from God's will, when we disobey God, it is a deliberate choice that we make giving in to a human weakness. We might be fearful people. We might be prideful people. We might be greedy people. We might be struggling with that. We might be struggling with lust. There's different things that we struggle with. And we have those physical desires that we wrestle with as men and women trying to live the Christian life. You might struggle with laziness. You might struggle with just panic and fear and anxiety and different things. Those common fears, those common weaknesses are at war with us. And and my encouragement is to trust in the Lord and to walk in faith and obedience like we talked about last week. But there are times, and you will experience this because there's no perfect people in the Christian life. There are times where, for whatever reasons, whether the physical circumstances overwhelmed us and we simply just gave up, or if we somehow got distracted. I know for me, when I was younger, the way the enemy worked is that I would feel like someone that I loved, that was a Christian, was being mean to me, that they didn't understand me, that they didn't spend time with me. And it's like the enemy said, now, just take care of it yourself. Just fall back on that bad habit. Just indulge yourself. The enemy crafted a lie that I believed, and I justified it. See, when we sin, we justify We know there's a choice. Now, if you keep sinning, you're just going to get to the place where you're just going to sin like that. And you're going to fall into a pattern, an addiction, a habit. But when you are strong and you're growing strong like Abraham was, sin kind of has to knock at the door and weasel its way in. It has to deceive you. And Abraham was, okay, there's a famine I don't see that he prayed. I don't even know if he should have went to Egypt. I don't know that the Bible doesn't tell me. It seems like that wouldn't be the place to go. It seems like he could have trusted God in Canaan, because guess where he ended up? Back in Canaan. It didn't work out so well in Egypt. You know, it was like going around in circles. And that's what happens when we do the wrong thing. It's like just going around and around. So he goes to Egypt. I don't know what he expected in Egypt. He thought it would be better in Egypt. It wasn't better. He went down there, and now he's like, oh, wow. Oh, these people don't don't know the Lord. They're going to kill me. So he gave in to his fear, and then he said, well, well, I'll just lie about it. I'll just tell a lie. And it appeared that everything just went fine. It says it came about when Abraham came into Egypt, like he thought, The Egyptians saw that his wife was very beautiful. Pharaoh's officials saw her, praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Therefore, he treated Abraham well. Abraham's probably thinking, man, this is going great. But he's sinning. This is wrong. This is foolish for her sake. And gave him sheep and oxen and donkeys and male and female servants and female donkeys and camels. Sometimes when we depart from the Lord, we don't even know it. You know, we're serving the Lord, we're continuing on that journey, and we get distracted, we get discouraged, we're fearful, and then we fall into a sin, and we just forget all about God, and that's what happens. He is off his spiritual journey. He's not in Canaan. 
He's down in Egypt. And God's not providing for him. Pharaoh's providing for him. And so God doesn't just ignore this in his men and women. God doesn't just say, okay, I'll let you go. Because this would have continued, guess what? Just practically, Isaac wouldn't have been born. Couldn't have been. It would have been Egyptians being born from Sarah, if anything. God's promise, the Messiah, all of that. This was not God's plan. This was not God's place. This was not where God called Abraham. And Abraham is completely off of the journey. And he sinned against God. But God intervenes. This is God's discipline. This is what God does. When we are completely off track, when we're completely out of focus, you know, I think I told you about the, my roommate when I was in Kansas. He was young. He started sleeping with his girlfriend. He walked out of her house one day and he looked up and he told me, he said, God, I'm doing whatever I want to. There's nothing you can do about it. And then God just intervened. And his life was turned upside down. And God disciplined him and brought him back to his senses. When we sin, we become arrogant. And we think we don't need God. And we proudly march around as if we're in charge until God shows that he is a God who cares enough to discipline us just like our fathers and mothers. But the Lord struck Pharaoh in his house with a great plague because of Sarah, Abram's wife. Then Pharaoh called Abraham and said, What is this that you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Abraham, completely exposed, completely shamed, completely humiliated. And that's what happens when we disobey God's word. Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they escorted him away with his wife and all that belonged to him. Abraham's sin was exposed by unbelievers, just brought bare. So what's Abraham going to do? Sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. When your sin is exposed, you'll run towards either confession and forgiveness or self-righteousness and self-justification. What did Abraham do after his moral failure? The key to this question, and some of you probably know the details, but the key to this question will determine whether or not Abraham is going to reach his potential spiritually or whether or not he's going to be cast to the side when I was in Bible college, there was a professor. He taught preaching, and he gave this sermon one day, and he called it, uh, there was a Greek word in the Greek that meant scrap heap. Scrap heap is where they throw away stuff that's not needed. And, and he said, it's the same word that Paul used for, Paul said, I don't want to become a castaway. He said, Paul was saying, I don't want to get thrown on the scrap pile spiritually. Abraham could get thrown on the scrap pile spiritually. If he runs towards self-righteousness and just defending himself, that's where he's going to end up. And if you and I, when we fail spiritually, when our sin is called out and exposed, 
If we continue and rationalize and just say, I don't want to hear it, God, then we won't reach the potential God has for us. But there is a better way. And I want you to look closely at what Abraham does. Because when I studied this, I looked at chapter 12, and we're at the end of chapter 12. And I was like, man, this, this sermon just feels incomplete. So I was going to talk about God's discipline. And something just didn't set right with me. I said, that just does not seem like the full story. So I was praying about it and looking at it, and I just felt the Holy Spirit say, read chapter 13. But that makes sense. So I looked at chapter 13, verse 1. And this is so beautiful because it put the story together for me. Chapter 13, verse 1 and 2. So Abraham went up from Egypt to Nigeria, he and his wife and all that belonged to him, and Lot with him. Now Abraham was very rich in livestock, silver, and gold. Now here's the main part. And he went on his journey from the Nigeria as far as Bethel. Do you remember Bethel? What happened in Bethel? That's where he built that altar and he called out to the Lord. He went back to Bethel, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place, I mean, the altar was probably still there. I don't think it moved. You know, he went back to that altar, which he had made there previously, and there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. There is so much in this text that we just don't see unless we just slow down and look at this spiritually. Imagine Abraham back in the beginning of the story. He's worshiping God. He's riding high. Things are going great. Praise the Lord. He's happy. And the famine comes. It's not the end of the world yet. It's hardship. But Abraham's thinking, I'll just go down to Egypt. They've got grain in Egypt. He's heard the story of Joseph. He goes down to Egypt. And then he realizes, oh, this is going to be a problem. So he comes up with a plan. That's not God's plan. That's not faith and trust and obedience. That's taking matters into your own hand. And it goes well for a while, but then his sin is exposed. And he's called out by a Gentile king, not a Hebrew. And Abraham probably felt pretty... I've met some men after they've failed spiritually, and it, it's pretty depressing. It's sad. I've seen men who felt horrible about some of their mistakes, and I think Abraham felt all of that. I think he felt the guilt and the shame, but somehow between the end of our story in chapter 12, and there was no, there was no break in the original Hebrew. It just went as a story. We put those breaks in there. Many, many years later. So the story is Abraham left Egypt. He turned back and went back to the place. And I read a book one time and it says when you get off track spiritually and when you feel like God is a million miles away and when you've lost your way spiritually, he said, just think back to the time when you were close to the Lord, when you were serving God and go back to that place. And just renew your commitment to the Lord. Abraham went back physically to Bethel, where he had worshipped God, where he had built an altar. And there he probably got down on his knees and just called on the Lord. And God met him there. 
because we see the rest of the story, it just keeps growing and going well. He made some more mistakes, but that's going to be our Christian experience. There's going to be times of victory. There's going to be times when we let God down. But if you're here today and you're not the person you used to be spiritually, God wants you to go back to that altar in Bethel. God wants you to, to go back and just pray and ask him to, to renew your commitment to him. Abraham returned to the place where he began his spiritual journey and called on the Lord. And that's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to do one or two things. If you're not where you once were spiritually, I'm asking you to go back just by faith, just go back to that state of mind when you were close to God and call on the Lord and ask God to forgive you and to renew you spiritually. And if you're doing well, I'm asking you to store this story in your memory for faith. That should you get off track, you stop, you don't justify yourself, you don't make excuses, and you just walk back to that place where God was really using you. I've had to do this in my own life personally, where I would just find myself, how in the world did I get here? It is so easy to slip off track spiritually. And we just have to constantly refocus ourselves and get back on the path. Do you know what your promised land is? Do you know where God's called you? I know what God has set before me to do, and I am pursuing that. I'm walking on that spiritual journey, but I am human, and I'm, I'm, I have weakness just like you. And there's times when you get off track. Fear and unbelief can set in, and I get off track, and I have to go away and just read God's word. Easier to receive from the Lord when you walk into a place built up already. You know, you're, you're not going to get in there and say, oh, I'm full spiritually. I can't. No, the more that pastor that I had when I was younger, he used to say, if you show up, if you will practice worship all week, then when you show up on Sunday morning, it'll be game time. Amen. He said, it'll be like you'll be running out on the football field ready to play because you had worship and practice all week long. He said, but if you show up here and you haven't cracked the Bible the whole week, he said, if you haven't cracked your Bible or your hymn book, he said, Sunday morning, you're going to be dry spiritually. So my, my encouragement to you, as you journey, worship God, but don't be afraid of your own failures. Those challenges have. And I think when you sin and, and you feel like God's a million miles away, you know what? There is nothing that has happened to your salvation. You know, your salvation was secured when Jesus died on the cross for your sins. You are saved and born again. Some of you need to hear that. You are a born-again child of God because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross for your sins. You need to go back to the altar. You need to go back to Bethel and just start doing all the things you want to do for Christ. Don't let the enemy keep you from that. Don't let the enemy sidetrack you because you made a mistake or because you've gotten into a bad routine. You need to tell your heart spiritually, beat again. Come on, let's get back to it. And the shame, the guilt, it's all been taken, through, taken care of through the cross. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the journey that you've called us on. Lord, we thank you for the 
the things that you want to do in and through us, God. We thank you for all the opportunities that are represented in this room, Lord. We thank you for the families that will be raised, the children, Lord, the people that will be saved, the churches that will be planted, God. Lord, I thank you for your, your beautiful plans that you have for each one of us. And Lord, we come before you, Lord, and even in advance, we ask you to forgive us for the mistakes that we made, the mistakes that we're making, and the mistakes that we'll make down the road, God. And we trust you that even in our weakness, even in our given into temptation, Lord, that with you there is grace. With you there's healing and forgiveness and restoration. Lord, I pray that anyone here today who is in need of restoration, that you would restore them in that relationship, Lord. Lord, that you would draw them back to you, that you would renew their commitment. God, I pray that the, the young and old here would be young in their desire to serve you, that they would be like little children coming into the kingdom, trusting and obeying and eager to serve you. God, I pray that there would be a, a spiritual renewal in our lives so that we would transform our culture, the world around us, transform, be an agent of change in our families. God, we pray for our young people, God, that you would just build them up and raise them up, Lord. We pray for the places that they will go and the people that they will influence. God, help us to serve you, and in serving you, serve them, to prepare them and to build a life that's a legacy to your grace and mercy and forgiveness and love. God, we pray that we would seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, God, and we thank you for provisions of what we need Lord, we thank you for each person here, God, and we pray that they would reach the potential that you called them to. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Visit us at crossroadsahoski.com for more information, additional resources, and service times.